0: I'm so proud of our Adventure Zone volunteer team, aren't they amazing, all the work they do around here, it's amazing, and I'm so proud of that gal that you saw there, that blonde gal, that's my sister, I never thought, real, I never thought, my my younger sister, she's 25, 26 years younger than me, I never imagined that I would get to work with her someday, and she would just do such a special job loving young people. Moreover, her team's amazing. They are uh, fully devoted Christ followers that love young people, so your kids are in great hands, super proud of them. If you're visiting, my name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors on this great team. And today I get to communicate family, family. We're in a series saying, hey, you give us 30 days, we want to help build your family. And I want you to have an incredible family experience. You're going to hear a little bit about mine, and it might surprise you that mine did not start off as a traditional Christian home. I was raised not going to church as a kid, and I want you to see how that all progressed. Our our series has been called Strengthening Your Family, and what we're looking at today are seven essentials for turning your house into a Christian home. Here's, Here's the good news. The good news is we're only going to address three today. Okay. Did you get that? All right. That's almost as good as the coffee, right? Hey, we're going to address three out of the seven today. And you know that, that parenting and family is tough. Parenting's like you feel like you're drowning and someone throws four kids into your whirlpool. I mean, parenting and leading a family is very, very stressful. I heard the story about this five-year-old who was leaving church with his parents in the back of their car, sobbing and crying and his parents couldn't get him to stop. They said, son, what is wrong? He kept crying. He kept sobbing. And then, and then he, finally, he finally sobbed and then, and then stopped. And, and the young boy said, the pastor said he wanted us to be brought up in a Christian home. And then he said to his parents, but I want to stay with you guys. <laughs> So, you may have ideas of what a Christian home looks like, and I hope to kind of dispel maybe some myths that they're perfect. I think they're very messy, but there's incredible long-term memories and love that your family can experience that I hope today will help you see it. This is one of my favorite passages as it relates to a family, as it relates to professional development, business development. It was written by... Someone whom Jesus said was the wisest person that ever lived. And it's this unless the builders, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen watch in vain. And the idea is that if you're not placing, if we're not placing Jesus, God, as the leader, the chief architect, the planner over our family, over our professional development, over our business, we're kind of sunk because <laughs> we're out on a walk all by ourselves. But when we place ourselves under his authority, under Jesus' authority, he builds. And there's security there. And there's a strong foundation there. Even when we do face storms, tough, tough storms, we have folks in our church that are facing them. We also know that our human nature is to decline. Like it, it is said in the history books of the Torah, when all, or rather, in the, in, the, uh, in the book of Judges, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, know the work which he had done for Israel. And so generation to generation, nature is to decline in Christ's devotion. It's just our human nature. And so we have it incumbent on us to ensure that we're bringing our best to God for our families and their children and their children's children. What we've said all month is this main idea. When you strengthen your faith, you strengthen your family. So what we're asking you not to do is don't leave the service and tell the person you came with, this is is how I think that message really applies to you. Or this is what you need to work on. Or gosh, did you hear that? That, If that wasn't for you, I don't know what was. No, 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 no. Because what we've talked about is when it comes to personal change, personal transformation, there's, there's three things you can't change. God, His truth revealed in the Scriptures by the Holy Spirit, and others. You can't change others. Just say it even if you disagree. I can't change others. okay? But we can change, by God's grace, ourselves. Right? And so that's how we want to strengthen your family. We want you to be strengthened personally. Now, the script, God is such a gentleman. Even in the history book of Joshua, God spoke through his servant, Joshua, who was kind of a foreshadowing, a type of Jesus. And Joshua said, hey, he said, if if you don't want to serve the Lord, if you don't want to have a Christian home, that's fine, really. He says it this way, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the God's... Your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites, uh, the Hittites, the Termites, whoever you want to serve, in whose land you're living. You, you can go serve them. You're free. You're, at, you're completely free to serve who you want to serve, serve who you want to serve. And then Joshua said, "But as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. We're serving the Lord." And that might seem very um, redundant to you. You've heard that before. But let me tell you something where, it's, where I've seen it played out. You know, you know how I've seen sometimes parents make decisions? I've seen this for years. Parents will make, this is how they'll make a decision to serve the Lord. They'll say, you know what, I'm going to wait on my kids. Once my kids are ready to serve the Lord, then I'll serve the Lord. Once my kids are ready to make a commitment to Christ, then I'll make a commitment to Christ. You know what that is? That's the, that's the danger of modern day parenting we'll let the kids decide our future. Let me just tell you, that's a very costly future. You won't be able to afford that. <laughs> and it's already expensive. You have to lead. Dads, moms, you have to lead and say, hey, as for me, I'm serving the Lord. This is the direction I'm going. And as your children grow and mature, our hope is that their hearts grow and mature and they follow the Lord. But they have to make that decision on their own. Because who can we not change? Others. They've got to they make their own decision. So the three essentials of turning your house into a Christian home. Begin with this one. Christ has to be first. When I get to the red, would you read with me? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You put him first. You put his kingdom first. And when you put Christ and his kingdom first, Jesus, Jesus says, All these things will be provided unto you. What are all these things? Well, when he was speaking to his audience, it was food, it was shelter, it was clothing. To our audience, I think it can be college tuition, <laughs> it can be a, a car. He's very, very generous. He'll give you exactly what you desire if you wait on him. But he knows your desires better than you do. He'll give you exactly what you desire. Because he knows your desires better than you do. But you've got to put him first. And when you do, there's tremendous blessing. How about a story of a dad who put Christ first? A non-believing, what we call polytheistic dad, who believed in lots of gods. He was raised in the Roman Empire. And he put Jesus first. Here's the example that comes from a first century document of the history of the early church within, the Roman, within a Roman colonial city of Philippi. The jailer who had arrested Paul and Silas. And there was a tremendous earthquake that actually broke all the chains and set all of his prison guards free, set all his prisoners free. And the jailer called for lights. He rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He was scared to death because he he actually was about to take his own life because he was failing as a Roman guard. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What do I need to do? Evidently, he had heard about Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and future judgment to come, that it was incumbent upon every person on earth to believe in Jesus, his resurrection, or there was a future pending judgment. He had heard that word, and so he came and said to Paul and Silas, Silas was Paul's apprentice, what do I do? What do I do? And this is how Paul, who is Jesus' most effective Roman... Uh, Mediterranean world worker, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus. Pretty simple, isn't it? Just believe in the Lord Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Now, don't misunderstand. Just because one person believes doesn't mean it just immediately, you know, saves everyone. But the impact begins. The impact when one parent, when one When one student, when one child, when one grandparent says, as for me and my house, we will put Christ first. God starts to do a great work. I'll tell you how it happened to my family. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. It's one in the morning. Then he, then immediately he and all his household were baptized, dunked. In water, symbolic of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. They were baptized one in the morning. Who does that? The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Let me tell you, you make a decision to put Christ first, change is going to happen. Let me just ask you, what father or man do you know that's cooking at one in the morning? That's weird. That's hosting. Who wants to host at one in the morning? Come on in. Bring your, bring your family. Bring your friends. What are you doing at one in the morning typically? Hopefully. And this guy is filled with joy. How come? When you come to know Jesus, his spirit comes in you. And it changes you. And it's a, it's a, it can be a slow change and it can be instant. I'll talk about that. How do you make Christ first? How do you do that? You believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Say it with me, you and all your household. Have you made that initial decision to believe that Jesus of Nazareth died a substitutionary death on that cross, resurrected from the dead, appeared to over 500 for 40 days and sits at the right hand of God where all angels and all authorities are subject to him right now. Have you made that initial decision? That's the first step. That's the first step. And you might be saying, I, I don't know if I've done that. Well, let me ask, have you been baptized? That's the symbol of your having put Christ first. And that's where we take your body and we dunk you in water. We only keep you down for a couple minutes. We do <laughs> seconds. We put you under water. How come? Because it's symbolic of how Christ died and resurrected from the dead. And some of you might be thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. How do you know, how do you know that this is all true? Here's what we have. We have first century documents that are the most reliable historical documents on the planet. Double check me. Do the fact check on that. There's so many of them. And they all write about two events. Christ died for our sins on the cross And he resurrected from the dead. And this is what we know about Jesus and his teaching. Jesus' teaching for three and a half years was, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to raise myself up from the dead. If someone tells you they're going to be crucified, that they're going to be buried and resurrect from the dead, and they do, you should listen to him. He's smart. And so that's why our... we listen to Jesus, and we listen specifically to his co-workers who wrote the New Testament, those 27 letters, and they're what help us put Christ first. Have you put Christ first? You, you know the answer to that. Now, some of you might be like, hey, I'm not in a Christian home. I, this is totally new to me. Guess what? It was new to me, too. When I was like seven years old, this guy moved in with my family. His name's Don Richardson. And he started wearing a cross, and I thought it was so weird. Like, what are you doing that for? It's weird. And he read lots of little books all the time, weird books, scary books. And all of a sudden, he started talking about Jesus. And my, I was like, this, he's really weird. When's he moving out? That's what I was thinking. And then we moved, and he moved again with us and lived with us. And i like, wow, this is going to last a long time. And he, he was... He actually his story, and I hope I hope he actually listened to this on podcast, but his story is that he he tried to start a family kind of on his own, and he had a lot of hiccups, a lot of bumps, a lot of bumps. I'm not exaggerating. And he he made Jesus the leader of his life, and then he went to a concert. It was either in San Diego or at the Irvine Meadows Amphitheater, and he sat next to this gal. And He's just like, he always says, Jesus just brought us together. And they ended up getting married. They'd been married for 40 plus years. But his initial step to believe in Jesus, he started reading from those first century documents to his nephew and his niece, my sister. Our hearts started opening. My brother and sister and parents all started coming to faith. Here's the deal. You put Christ first, personally. Don't wait on your kids. Don't wait on your pets to agree with you. You put Christ first, and he'll make an impact through you. And I realize we live in a culture that's not going to applaud you. If you go to work tomorrow and say, you know what I did this weekend? They're going to be like, dude, what would you do this weekend? You're going to be like, they're going to be listening to maybe what great dinner you had or great sporting event you had. You're going to be like... I made Jesus the leader of my life. They're not going to be like, that is so exciting. They're not going to say that. We, but you've got to be willing to, to choose him. <clears throat> as you grow in your faith, this is what you can expect to happen in the next 10, 20 years. And, and we've identified these as marks of a Christian. You're going to follow willingly. You're going to follow the spirit of Jesus willingly. Through his word, through his teachings, and through uh, his spirit... T- leading you throughout the day. You're going to love unconditionally. We ask a question around here that's very becoming of a Christ follower. It's this, what does love require? Because besides loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, what, answering the question, what does love require, is the number one question for Christians to ask. We are under the royal law, which means love your neighbor as your... It means to put the person next to you in front of you. And so we love unconditionally, not based on performance. And here's, here's the trick. We also love ourselves, not based on performance. We serve passionately. Why do we serve passionately? Because that's what Jesus did. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And so service is like an act of worship for us. We give generously because we're looking forward to the next life. And the reward that comes in the next life more than the reward that's in this life. Kind of like Moses did. We share regularly our faith in Jesus. But we're not bigots and we're not unpleasant. We tell people our Jesus story. What happened to us? That's a strong evidence for your faith. And we pray constantly. How come? Because we need it. (laughs) And so do others. So do our loved ones. So do our children. So do our grandchildren. I have a granddaughter, by the way. My name is now Granddad. I'll tell you more about that. The culture we live in, we have to acknowledge, is there's tension in being a Christ follower. Listen to the former Supreme Court Justice Scalia comment on his personal faith. I think this is fascinating. God assumed from the beginning that the wise of the world would view Christians as fools, and he has not been disappointed. (laughs) If I have brought any message today, it is this. Have the courage to have your wisdom regarded as stupidity. Be fools for Christ. And have the courage to suffer the contempt of the sophisticated world. This guy's pretty sophisticated. He went, yeah, he studied. Justice Scalia. Put Christ first. The benefits are amazing. He's got to be first. Don't worry if he's first in your family's life. Worry if he's not first in your life. That's where to be concerned. Secondly, create great atmosphere. Create great atmosphere. How many of these essentials are we doing today? Yeah, you were listening. Good. This is the second one. Create great atmosphere. Fathers or parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We live in a culture that would tell you, "Oh, don't, don't make your faith in, uh, incumbent upon your children." Come on. <laughs> What do we want our children to teach us? Oh, child, teach me at five. How how then shall I live? No, come on, that's our job. That comes from the most ancient documents. It's our job to take the lead, to set the example, and to teach, to train a child in the way he shall go. And as he grows older, he will not depart from it. He tells us to bring up our children. And then he tells husbands and wives, if you're married, enjoy the life, enjoy life with your wife or husband. Whom you love. It's almost like a reminder. Remember, you love her. Remember, you love him. A little quieter on that one. Uh, but it, it's, he's trying to tell us, create great atmosphere. And here's the deal. Here's what we know about men and women. As it relates to men, we men are like the thermostats of our home. Okay? We set the temperature of our home. When we come home and we're grouchy, the whole household is like. When we come home and we're like, hey, everybody, how you doing? They're like, what's wrong with dad? Right? Dad's, we're like the thermostat of our home. And you can see this thermostat, it's set to 22 degrees. He's thinking of his wife. This is what she wants, 22. That was way funnier than you laughed. Wives are like the thermometer of the home. Wives know the temperature of how everyone's feeling. They're they're the sensitive ones. Right? Most cases, this isn't us, men. (laughs) This is our wives. So they can tell us who we need to be sensitive to. But we have to create atmosphere in our home that's fun, that's full of joy, like this Philippian jailer was experiencing. And dads, I think this is really important for us to take a lead on this. And single parents, I encourage you to take the lead on this. And we, we took the lead to create atmosphere in our homes. And one way we did it, we created a creed in our home. It's called the Matthew's Creed. We started this when they were like two. And here's the creed. I'll get maybe 10 out of 12 right. It started at age two. Matthew's don't whine. We put a big old thing up in the, over the mantle. We don't whine. Even though the parents, dad whined a little bit. Matthews, don't whine. Matthews, let others go first. Matthews, say please and thank you. Matthews, yes ma'am and yes sir. Matthews, um, our gentleman at the dinner table at church and on the golf course. We struggle with the latter. Matthews, go to college. And one of my sons is like, you didn't say graduate. You just said go to college. <laughs> and, and we had a list of these, but they were like, this is who we are. And it created energy in our home. Matthews leave no one behind. Matthews let others go first. Matthews are good stewards of property. Stuff like that. And it really helped us, it helped us create energy in the home. And the boys could still say this today. So Melissa and I one time were having quite an argument at 1845 Itasca where we used to live. Quite an argument in our kitchen. I don't think the children were in their home. They were probably scared. They were probably in the backyard playing um, some game, but we were having an argument, and I just asked Melissa, I said, Melissa, wh- what do you expect of me? I wasn't meeting expectations. What do you want? And uh, she started talking, <laughs> and I grabbed, I grabbed what was my, my iPhone, what, 5.0, I <laughs> remember what it was, notes, and I started taking notes. She gave me 10, 10 things she expected out of me, 10, and I was like, I am going to nail this. <laughs> I'm going to do this. And you know what? I, tr- I tried. And she liked it. And things got better. And, and I learned that if I, will, if I will aim for her expectations, things get really fun. Like really fun. And so that became like a goal. And then I thought, wait a second. If, if I always aim for what she expects, life is good, really good. And sometimes it, it comes last minute. Sometimes I have to listen very intuitively and I'm not a very good listener. But I thought, if I will identify her expectations and serve passionately in that area, I could do this the rest of my life. And so we started doing that. And things just got really fun. And it's interesting. I have learned that... Uh, sometimes my kids have expectations that, uh, of me that I need to listen to. In fact, one of my friends has coached me as if my kids have gotten older. To We used to let our kids help us plan vacations. And, and now, now we actually ask our kids to give us maybe an expectation of a vacation. And I even ask my kids, hey, in their 20s, do you have any expectations of me that I'm not aware of? Let me lay, lay into me. What are they? And they were pretty easy. Now, I didn't ask that question when they were 12. <laughs> but now we get to, like, fulfill some sweet expectations. And it, it really helps reduce a lot of conflict. And one expectation we, um, we aimed for last summer is we invited our kids to go to a foreign country with us. We said, would you like to go here? And they, we thought it sounded awesome. And they're like, no, that sounds really boring. Well, where do you want to go? And they said, Oh, we want to go here. Oh, really? You want to go there? To France? Really? All right, we'll get back to you. And we did. And our first night in Paris. Did I move forward? I'm way ahead. I'll tell you the rest of the story. Can you take me there in the back? Our first night in Paris. My kids, we all sat down. By the way, there's some other people that aren't in my family that just became a part of the e- evening. <laughs> our first night in Paris, our daughter-in-law tells us, mm. yeah. she found out that morning she was pregnant. And it was such a... And she delivered our grandbaby this week. And But it was such a fun thing, such a great memory to have together because... Uh, It wasn't our plan. We asked our kids, what do you expect? What do you want? And I think when you ask people what their expectations are and you passionately serve and fulfill them, it's a lot funner, don't you think? Clarify expectations in your home. Now take me back to point three, which I just supported, please. (laughs) Thirdly, clarify values. Clarify values. Where are you going to get your values? Where are you going to answer the question, what's right? What's God-honoring? What's God-pleasing? In our culture, where it seems like everything's supposed to just be relative to how you feel, where are you going to get answers? We get our answers from the words of Jesus and and the New Testament and the Old Testament. But the words of Jesus are a commentary on everything in the Old Testament. Jesus actually raised the standard higher in the New Testament. Because he's trying to transform the heart. And here's what we have. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing into the Jordan to possess. This is 14th century or uh, 1400 BC. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Do you know, Jesus actually affirms this principle of long life given to those who honor their mother and father. It's still a principle that is applicable to us. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey. Now, let me just pause here. Obeying Jesus is important because that's how we tell him we love him. He said, to love me is to obey my commands. And what are his commands? To love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourself so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Now here's the deal. As you think about raising children, as you think about clarifying values, it's expensive to raise kids in our culture. Did you know raising kids in our culture, if you include their whole education, is $1.4 million. And if you have daughters, you have to add 18% because of their clothing needs. Now, when it comes to identifying values as a family, there's different, you can take different roads, but they don't all lead to Rome. There's the external road where you take a pole. Everyone throws in their lot. And what we know, Jesus teaches us not to conform to the pattern of this world. Don't conform to it. You can enjoy the things of the world, but don't make the world your judge. Because someday we'll judge the world. Number two, internal. You can listen to the voice inside of you and say, well, my feelings say such and such about this. You have to be careful of that. Because God said that my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not like my ways. So feelings, though, can be acknowledged. They don't have ultimate authority like the truth does. And then finally, there's eternal authority. This is the authority that comes from Jesus, the one who teaches us how to live and changes our heart. The word of God above me says, God says. Jesus says this. Jesus taught this. Jesus' co-workers taught this. And this is what one of Jesus' co-workers, Paul, said about the Scriptures. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So it is with the authority of Scripture that we can develop a family value. Do you have a family value? I asked some families recently about their family values and one of my friends Bryce Jessup who's the son of of William Jessup who started William Jessup University he's told me for years the Jessups believe in memories not mansions that means they'll invest lots of dollars in taking their family on a cruise but not necessarily getting a bigger house that's a great family value I'd like to be a part of that family this summer the Howell family, with whom I get to work, they have a family uh, value. It's this. There's no quit in Howell. That's awesome. We think in our family, our family likes to do adventure, like spontaneous adventure, be in a foreign city, do something crazy. Like Friday, Melissa was getting off work about 3 o'clock. I texted her. and I said, when can you be home? She said, 3.30. I said, let's go golfing. She it's raining. I know. No one's there. I found a discount rate, 15 bucks a piece. <laughs> So we got, she got home. I got Mark, who's, I'm a bad golfer. Mark's horrible. He's not in the service. He's horrible. It's a joke. He, he shot an 82, nine holes. And we, we, we get, she gets home from work. We get in the car. We buzz over there. I bring my, my, my Yelp price. It's 12 bucks. That's, that's green fee and golf cart. He says, I can't do that. I can do $15. we will take it. We get a few beverages of choice. We go golf 9 holes. We're awful, but here's the thing. There was no one there to witness it. <laughs> Nobody. We love adventure. We love to have fun like that. It turned out to be a great memory. Today my challenge for you is at lunch today, could you clarify a family value? Do you have a value you're like this is us. This is us. That will help you turn your house into a Christian home. Sound good? Okay. So today I've simply posed the first three of seven essentials to get the next four. You have to come back next weekend. Next weekend, we meet here next Sunday. And yet I want, to, I want you to consider today, have you made Christ first? Not has my spouse made Christ first. Not, not has my kid made Christ first. You can't control your kids. As our kids grow up, guess what? They've got to own their own decisions. And their own mortgage. And, and we create, are you creating atmosphere in your home? Or do you allow something else to affect your home? Rick Warren says every day he comes home from work, he tries to divert daily. Take another pathway home from work. He actually goes up to his driveway. Rick's the pastor at Saddleback Church. He goes up to his driver and he takes something symbolic of his work and he drops it in a bucket before he goes into his house. So he can create atmosphere in his home. I think, think we all have to work hard at that because work is stressful sometimes. And then lastly, clarify values. Who has authority in your home? And what, what value in your home says this is us? Identify that today at lunch or dinner tonight or breakfast tomorrow morning when you're together again. Ask the question, well, what, what value really would identify who we are? Hope it's a fun one. If you've got a bad one, don't say it. I want to pray for you. Maybe there's one of you here that's never put Christ first. I'm not saying put adventure first. I'm not saying put your religious heritage first. It has nothing to do with that. I'm saying, have you put Jesus first? Because what did Paul tell this jailer he needed to do? Could you get that slide up for me? What did Paul tell this Philippian jailer he needed to do? Believe in the Lord Jesus. That's faith. That's Christianity putting your faith in the guy who resurrected from the dead. If you haven't done that, I'm going to give you a chance to today. Just a simple prayer. I believe Christ died for my sins, was buried and resurrected from the dead. And then others of you make a decision that I'm not going to be the downer of my home anymore. I'm going to create some fun atmosphere. Play some good music at home. Even dig into the 80s if that'll help you a little bit. Okay? And then finally, clarify about you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for friends. Thank you for fellow, fellow sacramentans with whom we get to do life together and have fun doing it. And right now, we just want to acknowledge as, as an assembly, we want to put Christ first over everything.